have a wish, it is a fear as well, that in my end will be my beginning. Che Guevara Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it offends. I'm Paul, and today we'll be looking at the literal poster boy for revisionist history. I say literal because if you're of a certain age, you very possibly had a poster of this man on your wall in college. And even now, you may have a t-shirt with his picture on it, regardless of your age. I'm talking, of course about Ernesto Guevara de la Serna, known to the world simply as Che. Che Guevara was an Argentine-born Marxist revolutionary, physician, author, political theorist, and diplomat. Along with Fidel and Raul Castro, he was a key figure in the Cuban Revolution of the late 1950s. Because of an iconic photograph by Alberto Corda, He is best known in the West today as that guy on the t-shirt. Now, I've personally heard various people identify that guy on the t-shirt as Benicio Del Toro, or Jesus, or the third baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals. So, for my younger listeners especially, it's probably important to get some of the historical facts out of the way up front. So, before getting into why he's the poster boy for revisionist history... Let's run through some quick facts about his life that everyone agrees on. Ernesto Guevara de la Serna was born in Rosario, Argentina on 14 June 1928. His parents both came from the cream of Argentine society. And although they were never particularly wealthy, he grew up solidly middle class. When he was 20, he entered the University of Buenos Aires to study medicine. Four years later, in 1952, he took a year off to travel through South America with his friend Alberto Granado. They visited Argentina, Chile, Peru, Ecuador, Colombia, Venezuela, Panama, and Florida in the United States. For most college-age kids, this just would have been a fun road trip. But for Che, it turned out to be a pivotal moment in his life. It was during this motorcycle journey that he witnessed for the first time the poverty, the sickness, and the injustice suffered by the peasants making up the majority of the population of South America. He ultimately blamed neocolonialism, imperialism, and monopoly capitalism for these injustices and he documented his experiences in a book released after his death called The Motorcycle Diaries. You should pick it up. It's a really good read. He completed his medical degree in 1953 and a year later settled in Guatemala, living with several exiled South American revolutionaries. During this time, American forces overthrew the elected president of Guatemala, and this hardened Che's views against the United States. In 1954, he moved to Mexico and took up a position in a hospital in Mexico City. In 1955, 
he was introduced to Fidel and Raul Castro, and he joined their movement to overthrow the Batista government in Cuba. In 1956, he landed in Cuba with 82 revolutionaries, including the Castro brothers, but the group was attacked by the Cuban military and lost roughly two-thirds of their members. Guevara and the Castros fled to the hills, carrying on a guerrilla campaign for the next two years. Over this time, the revolutionary movement gained wide support among the Cuban people, and in December of 1958, Che led the forces that captured the key city of Santa Clara. This loss caused President Batista to flee to the Dominican Republic. On January 8, 1959, the rebels took Havana and set up a new government. Also in 1959, Che married Alita March, became a Cuban citizen, and traveled worldwide negotiating trade deals for Cuba. He and Raul Castro also were put in charge of tribunals to purge the army and police of Batista loyalists, executing most of them that were found guilty. The trials and executions were condemned worldwide. One of Che's key initiatives that's often overlooked by history is that he organized a movement to improve the literacy of the peasant population by building more schools and training more teachers. In 1961, the Bay of Pigs invasion by the United States against Cuba failed. In 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis happened, and Guevara saw the Soviet withdrawal as a betrayal. In 1964, he gave a famous speech at the United Nations denouncing segregation and discrimination in both South Africa and the United States. In 1965, in a very surprising move, he resigned from the Cuban government in order to help bring about socialist revolution around the world. He traveled to the Belgian Congo to help foment revolution there, but the attempt failed. He spent time afterward in Tanzania and Europe before secretly returning to Cuba in 1966. Later in 1966, he joined a revolutionary group in Bolivia. In 1967, after some minor successes, his forces were defeated by the Bolivian army. On October 8, 1967, Che was wounded in battle and captured by the Bolivian forces. On October 9th, he was executed by the Bolivian army but the public was told that he died in battle. His body was buried in an unmarked grave to prevent people from making pilgrimages to it. But in 1997, the remains were found and transported back to Cuba with full military honors. Laid out in that simple, straightforward timeline, it doesn't seem like that extraordinary of a life. And it appears, at least on the surface, that it should be pretty easy to nail down what his legacy is. That's just not the case. When we come back, we'll look at why. Welcome back. So given some of the straightforward, bare-bones facts about Che's life, why is there still to this day such debate about him and about his legacy. Why is he not simply a two-line entry in an encyclopedia? 
Well, there are a lot of reasons, and I want to discuss some of them, because they all fall under the revisionist history umbrella. Regardless of your ideology, most can agree that, although flawed, as all humans are, people like George Washington, Gandhi, and even Queen Elizabeth I were good leaders and good people. On the flip side, it's pretty much agreed across the political spectrum that people like Hitler, Pol Pot, and Saddam Hussein were about as evil as they come. With Che, there's no such agreement. Fifty years after his death, in fact, the argument is, if anything, even more divided. The argument over Che actually started during his lifetime. The 1960s were a time of massive upheaval throughout the world, and Che was a key figure in that. The divide was, as you know, between the West and capitalism, democracy, and the Soviet bloc and communism. Che was a young, handsome, articulate, charismatic leader, and he was bound to draw the ire of the United States especially given the fact that he had helped establish a communist country only 90 miles from Florida. This, along with a very strong Cuban exile community in Florida, pitted one side of the ideological spectrum solidly against him. In Latin America, Africa, and parts of Asia, where many countries were still living under colonial or otherwise authoritarian rule, he was seen as a liberator. Especially in Latin America, he was equated with Simón Bolivar. That is the divide that began the debate over Che, and ultimately it's the divide that continues to this day. As I said in our introductory episode, history is written by the winners and later rewritten by the losers. In Che's case, both were written at the same time. He was seen as a ruthless mass murderer by the Cuban exiles, particularly for the tribunals that were held that we mentioned earlier. Yet from the viewpoint of the Cuban communists at the time, it was nothing more than justice against longtime oppressors. It's an argument that's been held about tribunals throughout history. Another debate over Che's legacy is whether he was a successful, in quotes, revolutionary. The win in Cuba was enormous, there's no question, but his subsequent efforts, both in the Congo and in Bolivia, were utter failures. So does that mean that he was a failure as a revolutionary, or was he a success? Well, it depends on your point of view again. From the communist side, from the viewpoint of those who are oppressed, the fact that he tried at all makes him a success. The fact that he inspired people, that he wrote a seminal work on guerrilla warfare, has had an impact throughout history. And to use Bolivia as an example, although he failed utterly in 1967, 40 years later, Bolivia elected a socialist president. Was any of that because of Che? Only time will tell. These are all interesting debates. and debates that can be had over many historical figures, but the ones that interest me the most and that I feel are the most revisionist and often the most contradictory are about Che as a man following his death. 
The hagiography of Che Guevara was actually begun by Fidel Castro himself in a rousing eulogy at a memorial service following Che's death, where he proclaimed, we will be like Che. In fact, to this day, Cuban school children every day recite that pledge before school. That kind of hero worship is bound to cloud everyone's view of a man's legacy. In Bolivia, the hero worship moved from hero worship to simply worship. Photographs were taken of Che's body following his execution. He was laid out on a table with his head propped up and his eyes open. And with his long hair, beard, and the wounds on his body from the gunshots, many remarked that he looked a lot like the executed Christ. Some even clipped off locks of his hair to keep as religious mementos. Over time, this evolved into a veritable worship of Saint Ernesto. People actually pray to him in Bolivia in order to find a lost goat or cow. And pictures of him hang in people's houses right next to the pictures of the Pope. Then of course, we have the ubiquitous Corda image, the photograph that some have called the most famous one in the world. It adorns everything from snowboards, to hats, to t-shirts, to anything you can think of. And again, most people wear them or display them having no clue who Che was. These are some of the contradictions. A fierce anti-capitalist whose image has been commoditized worldwide and whose legacy has, in many ways, been diminished by those who opposed him simply by making him nothing more than an object for sale. In the case of Bolivia that I mentioned earlier, he was an atheist who's become revered as a literal saint. Che himself had no illusions of sainthood, as evidenced by his final words. When the man came to execute him, he hesitated. And Che's final words were, I know you're here to kill me. Shoot, coward. You're only going to kill a man. What would probably sadden Che the most, though, is for a man of action his entire life, he sadly now often inspires only talk. So who was Che Guevara and what is his legacy? I think he was a man who could have lived a comfortable life as a doctor who left it all to fight oppression. He was a government leader who left an easy life to continue the revolution that he believed in. He was a man who correctly diagnosed the ills of the world of his time and sought to correct them, just with, frankly, the wrong solutions. And he was a man who never believed the hagiography that was already growing up around him. In the quote at the beginning of this episode, Che said, I have a wish, and it's a fear as well, that my end will be my beginning. He may not have been a saint, but he was definitely a prophet. That's Revisionist History for today. We'll see you next time.
Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming, please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. It'll go a long way towards helping us create more episodes and hopefully becoming completely ad-free. Thanks a lot. Thank you.